is Casey Must, owner and founder of Citizen Yoga, and you are listening to After Class. After Class is our podcast where we get to interview teachers and other people in our community that also think mental health and movement are really, really important. Today, we have one of our teachers with us, and so we call this segment the heart of the room because that is really what a teacher is. They help to create the pulse, the life of a studio space, and um, before she says her name, (laughs) we're going to play a game. So this is a game that I learned in a group um, called Sustained Dialogue, and you have to start to define yourself in a different way. And, And actually, the most important thing is really learning, I guess, how you define yourself. So the game is this, and for the next minute, she's gonna answer, hopefully, questions. She might say her name accidentally, so, you know. That um, start with I am. And so I'm just gonna keep asking that question over and over again, and here we go. Who are you? I am calm. Who are you? I am present. Who are you? I am woman. Who are you? I am fearless. Who are you? I am black. Who are you? I am proud. (laughs) Who are you? A sister. Who are you? I am a little girl. Who are you? I am a grown ass woman. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? I'm silly. Who are you? I'm happy. Who are you? I am self. What's your name? I'm Lydia. (laughs) Okay, we have Lydia Elise Munn with us today. And um, Lydia recently came on our teaching team, but I've known her for, it feels like a really long time. A lifetime. Doesn't it? A lifetime. (laughs) I always said that if I had a daughter, Lydia would be my daughter somehow. Um, but yeah, she's, she's in the front row or second row of our Detroit classes, so you will know her. And so, yeah, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Casey. None of my introductions had yoga in it. That is so funny because so much of my identity is around yoga or something like that. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a great reminder for you to tell me I'm a teacher. You're like, a teacher <laughs> and a you're teacher. a student and she has such good breath and, um, really good body jewelry specifically. <laughs> So, you know, one of the questions that I ask, particularly our teachers, is what what's your personal mission? Ready? Yeah. It's a lot. Okay. I'm so <laughs> excited to hear. Um, my personal mission, it really goes back to the liberation of all people. I think um, we are enslaved to so many of the things that we ex- experience this is gonna get like super weird and deep and very very have early. you met me <laughs> that's, well, like... that's perfect because i am super weird and deep all the time so you're just you know maybe it's my fault i just think i'm just happy to have a space where i could be weird and deep in public yeah <laughs> but and with yoga but um i just want to liberate all people i think that is specifically tied to the liberation of black people because it is the least of us how we treat the least of us is how we treat Everything mm-hmm. is how we treat our earth. It's yeah. how we treat ourselves. And when we're disrespecting um, God, we are just dis- by disrespecting black people, poor people, people who are 
systematically disadvantaged by mm-hmm. a system that keeps people oppressed in order for others to get richer. Good morning, I'm talking about capitalism, but um, this is um, part in, in part of my liberation strategy is to attack that. Part of the liberation strategy is to take that from various ways. One is yoga, wellness, mental health, and um, our the mental health of our society is undervalued. The mental health in the black community is specifically undervalued because there's lack of resources, but also there's lack of knowledge and there's lack of time, energy, effort when you're fighting the system to take care of yourself. And so... Um, yoga is one way to help lift people out of some of the dark places. Another way in which I work specifically to uplift my community and uplift black people is legally. Mm, it's so boring. When you say it's it. not boring. Why are you judging yourself? I, it is I not judge boring. Lawyers. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. Everyone judges lawyers, right? But um, it sticks with me when Bell Hooks says you can't use the master's tools to dismantle the master's house. I just, I just, I agree. Mm. I can't use capitalism to defeat capitalism. Mm. I can't use oppression to defeat oppression. I can use the knowledge that I gain in law school and in my professional experiences to understand ways in which the community is being um, worked against, ways in which um, the systems are in place to keep people oppressed in order to understand them. And so I think knowledge is the key to everything. And that's why I'm a lifelong student. So I'm committed to continue to learn how I can be a better person in order to be a better person for my community. If there was like one solution that, it, but not like one solution to fix everything. I, I would just be like mean, yoga. Uh, okay, you know, fine. Yoga. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There is an element that I know you mm-hmm. believe that. Yes. Um, what, what's one thing that you would love to see changed? That's like small, not, it doesn't have to be statewide. If we can get, and you know, I think statewide because I see government, I see systems. That's just how I see. Okay, and so I would great. be like free lunch for all the kids in school and make sure that the lunch would be a healthy lunch from a sustainable farm that's locally sourced and that has that's fair, a big that's a big ask okay fair labor wages for their workers and you know it, yeah that would be that's small to me yeah that's small getting people food that they need mm, that's interesting mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought of that as the as the answer so what role has yoga played in your life that it has become such a a forefront um um, yoga has maybe been, it's more like a background to everything instead yes. of in the front. Maybe yes. it's the background you to know, everything. When you, I was listening to your podcast with Anne Fancy that you all did a while ago. Like when I cried. Ago. Oh no, the first one. <laughs> this was the, listen to you cry. Oh, the oh, the man. COVID one. I miss it. I no. did a little crying on that one. Oh, um, I, you know I love me a great a, a good, good cry. cry. A good cry. A good I, cry. I think I committed to not having to cry today i'm also open to it okay thank you the one when uh you were talking about people's relationship with anything coming full circle and how it has to come back around again and so yoga is sometimes at the very much so forefront of my life and right now it is one of those things like i said you kind of have to remind me for a second i teach like two or three classes a week but it's now in the background and it sustains a level Mm -hmm. of homeostasis within Mm. my body so that I can continue to 
it's a funny, that's a shout out to Alyssa homeostasis, but um, maintain a level of sanity so that I can continue to work, so I can continue to teach yoga, learn, and do the other things that I want to do. It's interesting because I actually feel like I relate to that, that teaching for me is a way that I maintain homeostasis. You know, I think when I would walk into the Detroit studio on Mondays or Tuesdays, there's this like release of, okay, I, this is a privilege to teach this class. Whatever else happened in my day in terms of managing citizen, running citizen, none of that matters because the thing that maintains my sanity is teaching. So I completely relate to that uh, experience. I ironically, my, my humor is dark and I, things are silly and funny and weird and quirky and dark to me but still funny but I ironically say like teaching is my one redeeming quality it's like the the one thing I really feel like I do this good and I'm doing a good thing because there's so many other things that the day will beat you up mm. administration will beat you up like yeah. emails will beat you e- I think emails emails will always beat emails. me up there's nothing more <laughs> defeating than my email emails will tear you down yeah. every time exactly and then I'm like teaching is my one redeeming quality is Mm. where I really get to be a good person like without it being about me Mm. so what what does it mean to be a great teacher to you um there are there aren't a lot of great teachers first Mm. of all there are millions of great teachers and all the teachers that are in schools I love you you are amazing you do amazing work especially in public schools but great great teachers in yoga it's sometimes more difficult to come by yep um, teachers that really speak to who they are authentically and who you are authentically. And so to be a great teacher, you got to know yourself and you just have to be yourself and be unapologetic about being yourself. And it's that offering that you give to the students that makes them great, that makes them be able to be themselves and have the courage and the tenacity and the audacity to just be them and be Le- just a little less afraid mm-hmm. because you also can su- support that. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. That's why you were just the standout teacher to me in terms of my yoga practice because this won't be a K- Casey Must I Love You song. <laughs> For those are, are worried because you don't want her head to get too big. It's so but- small. It needs to get a little bigger. If somebody would just pump this thing like a little bit larger, I think that would be a really good thing. If somebody would make my head just a little bigger. Uh, Being able to challenge people and support them at the same time is a really hard thing. Mm-hmm. And you do that in a way that people don't. It's like trickery. It's like no one even <laughs> sees what you're doing because like, oh, oh, crap. I just like did a headstand or oh, my God, I just jumped to the front just because she said it in a nice, authoritative, nice, encouraging, nice. I'm kind of scared, but nice way. Like <laughs> Definitely a little scared. Like, There's a little no question. Scared. A little scared for sure. That's never hurt anybody. No. Well, I mean, one, thank you. But I I think that there is something so incredible about teaching yoga. There is, and, and maybe it is teaching anything, but there is something energetic about the practice, intellectual about the practice, emotional about the practice, and physical when we do it really well. And I think that that's why we, you and I connect because there is a specific, when I see a student who is 
intellectually understanding, emotionally understanding, energetically understanding, and physically understanding all at the same time. Even it's not about capability, right? You're, you're the way that you look at a student is not what their physical ability is. It's just the effort of the physical ability. Does that make sense to you? You can see people grapple with what's going on. It's like, oh crap, my knee isn't the greatest or, oh, I don't have this much flexibility in my hip flexors. But it's, but when you see the effort that they're trying to work with, reconciling that, still breathing, still being present. And I think the only way we can do anything effectively in this world is to do it holistically. And that's mm. what you're talking about in the yoga practice when we're bringing together every single element of our being. Because I'm telling you, I had to come to yoga because I thought I was a disembodied head. I didn't know that I mm. my body was so much a part of my being and how the two had felt completely separated. And so you can kind of see the merging, the yoking, if you will, of the things in a good student when they're just trying to be the best them that they can be under the circumstances. I'll often say, and we're going to read a passage, which I normally don't do, but, um, and you weren't even on philosophy this morning. So were you? No, no, I wasn't on it. And I asked her to read a passage because we like books. Yeah, we like books and we like philosophy (laughs) And we're wearing glasses. And we're both wearing glasses. she called me a nerd. I'm like, okay. Obviously. (laughs) But um, I understand that you deeply understand what I'm saying. And it can seem on the surface that somebody's teaching down dog. It can seem on the surface that we're teaching a sweaty practice. But when you really dive in, and we'll talk about you know your experience in teacher training, but when you really dive in, there's so much more. It's, it's like you're peeling back the curtains of the universe. You know, some people will call it Oz. It's like not even Oz. It's like the universe cracked open mm-hmm. in every pose. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole galaxy or mm-hmm. sitting in there and then it's like you have this experience of seeing all of it and and not every person has those glasses <laughs> not like everyone that. has not everybody that has these yeah not everybody has that experience and mm-hmm. i can't make you have that experience mm-hmm. you just are like in my channel mm-hmm. is like like tuning in a little bit so i'm gonna read this little passage because it's very um, fitting for what we're talking about. This is from the Good Citizens book from uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. And he's talking here about why breath is the first thing yeah, that you do in order to, to bring together the body and the mind, in order to understand and at the same time alleviate suffering that's very physical. So it says... Um, I'm going to read two parts. Awareness of, of our breath is the first practical ethical action available to us. This is the only way we can begin to truly understand the basic suffering of human beings and how we might transform it. He goes on to say, it is very simple but very effective. When we bring our attention to our in-breath and our out-breath, We stop thinking of the past. We stop thinking of the future. And we begin to come home to ourselves. Coming home to ourselves is the first thing we need to do. Even for politicians, scientists, or economists. Don't think that this practice doesn't apply to you. If we do not go home to ourselves, we can't be at our best. 
and serve the world in the best way. We have to be ourselves to be our best. Our quality of being is the foundation for the quality of our actions. So to me, that embodies, one, the description of the realization that yoga is so much more than just movement and breathing. But I don't know, for me, and I'm not sure if it, it's for you, to me, this, it, it really is my whole journey of citizen yoga in a paragraph. Like there is nothing more that I feel has described my experience of being at citizen. First of all, shout out to Thich Nhat Hanh. Yeah, okay, yeah, shout him out. He's, you know, the best. Yeah. Um, and the when you started with breath, I had no idea what she was going to read. Yeah, um, she didn't. I surprised you. Breath is, is when I feel like I woke up, when I started breathing, and when I knew that, okay. Woke up from what? Sleep, death, deprivation, prison jail slavery i just because mm. you're free you're free when you notice that when you just bring your awareness back and i say this in all of my yoga classes so my students are like yep that's lydia yeah <laughs> when you bring your awareness back to your breath and this is what Thich Nhat Han teaches us the breath is all we have i only have this one breath right now casey mm-hmm. <sighs> mm. that's it mm. like um, it's, it's, it's too powerful. I think that's what it is. It's too potent. Um, it, it is the vehicle for life. It is how we sustain ourselves. It is also the thing that unites each and every single one of us. We're all breathing. Mm. And yet we just can't even see that. <laughs> like we can't yeah. even understand that this breath is what we, we have to share right now. Um, it brings you back to the present moment, what's going on. Um, we have our attachments to the past. We have our attachment to the future. And that causes us strife. And all mm-hmm. that we have really is the right now because anything at any moment can be taken away from us. And so when I say breath really woke me up, I feel like it freed me. In a sense, it freed me from my past and it frees me from the worries that I have going on in the future and the things that are going on outside the yoga studio. Mm. So if I get one good inhale and one good exhale in the yoga class, it's worth the mm. other 55 minutes of pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, pain. Um, it's a good Joy. kind of pain. Joy. Oh my goodness, guys, come to yoga. It feels yeah. amazing. But you're going to put yourself in physical stressors, as you, you've taught us, you've taught me, yeah. in order to learn how to breathe. Yeah. It's elective. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what's sometimes so different is that the world is not very elective. It feels like the world just does. So there's two, there's two aspects to an experience. The first is the world and the second is you. And there's so much about the world that we can't control. And there's so much about us that we can, except that our inner world feels like just as out of control as the external world. And so our experiences feel chaotic all the time. And so that is the like bringing yourself to the breath. And, and here he's actually talking about, um, here he says, breathing in this way, we create a kind of family reunion between mind and body. The mind becomes an embodied mind instead of, and so when you were talking earlier, I was like, 
how does she know what I'm going to read? It's it's what I have been learning now for now that I'm understanding for a few years in terms of understanding psychology, understanding yeah. um understanding philosophy, understanding how systems work, understanding how the human mind works. Um back to coming back to home. Mm. All we have uh, <laughs> Casey is just semi-distracting me. <laughs> I, I, I am a human distracting machine. Haven't you met me? That's like She's literally semi-distracting. It's me. literally my well. Uh, well was like, she wasn't playing footsie, so don't, yeah. don't worry. It's my best skill is distraction. I'm a, just like a giant distractor. Oh, let's go back. To- That's okay. You're I, I, essentially part of this is you becoming an embodied mind and becoming skillful. Yes. And and that is the essence of this. And and again, when we talk about coming home, what does it mean to come home? This mm-hmm. is actually a conversation we had this morning at 6 a.m. What does it mean to come home? And what's interesting about home is it's it's your space. And I think that bodies it doesn't ever feel like our space because it's been pushed and morphed and you've been told how to look and you've been told how you feel and you've been told what's good, what's bad, what's ugly, what's pretty, you know, what's skinny, what's fat, Mm -hmm. even based on cultural norms. Mm -hmm. And so it's all of a sudden you're like, okay, this is me in my body and right when I can say my mind is in my body, I've already become a more present person than I was before. Um, as women, I, as a woman, I can speak for my own experience. I was going to speak for Casey. And all no, women. speak. But speak. as, as a, as a woman, yeah. I've been objectifying my entire life. Like I, I have curves because they exist. You do? And, oh, who, who knew? Um, but they exist and to be objectified and not relate to that. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? I'm talking about my brain. I'm, I'm like existing or I'm in class or, you know, right. I'm walking down the street. I, I'm not relating to the body right mm. now. Being able to relate back to the body in a positive whole whole way yeah. is a way to come home, um, mm. a way to feel at peace. And that's what I think about when you talk about home is mm. when you come back to where you feel peace. And your peace is in your space and your peace is in inside your body because mm. that's just the manifestation of self that is existing right now mm. in this what illusion that we yeah, this illusion. <laughs> yeah, but I, I want to thread back to something that you had said, which is the way to be at home is to become your authentic self. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is one of the most challenging things that we require. I definitely require that. Like I... I really try as a teacher to not be two different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also really scary because then there has to be this merging of these two identities. And sometimes as teachers or lawyers or you have these two identities, <laughs> you have these two identities that feel um, at odds with mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And as a, as a yoga teacher, you have to sort of make right with the spiritual knowledge you know how to say and the spiritual knowledge that you know how to live. Mm-hmm. And those don't always meet. What I can tell you logically and from a theory perspective, I can't always practice. Presence is very challenging for me. Mm-hmm. I'm a very distracted mm-hmm. and distracting person. So it takes me a hundred times more effort than somebody else. But the effort is still there, that authentic wanting. And so how, how can we 
encourage people, and, and maybe this is the question to you, is how did you encourage yourself to become more authentic? To be you, right? To come back and say, okay, if I'm not me, then I'm not at my best. I think it's smart. It, start, it, starts, it starts with the small things. It, it sounds cliche. The things that make you feel better about you. Doing the next right thing. Mm-hmm. So if that is um, setting an alarm and sticking to it or doing yoga and feeling better about your body and your mind. It's about doing the, the small things. And I I see it as like a, like a course correcting a little bit. Yeah. But I don't want to be two different people. I, I would be four different people, honestly, and I would be way too many different people. Mm. So when I start to live in alignment, I can be my one self in all of these different areas. Mm. So how do you... If you were to create your own company, you know, we had a pretty intense call mm-hmm. um, right after, the, like, the re-uprising, yes. if you will, yes. of Black Lives Matter. Yes. Lydia was on the call with me. It was, it was pretty intense, yes. to say the least. Yes. Um, and, you know, again, this always goes back to, like, how, if you had my job, how would you create a community that offers inherent, which is my goal, inherent belonging? How, how would you do that? What would be some tips? When we are talking about course correcting, because America is way off course, right? And we're noticing that. Like, yeah. they don't even know where the track is. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> they're down the street and around the corner. Um, a direct way is speaking truth to power speaking truth to what is going on and so uh, addressing anti-racism and calling it what it is and i think the things that we learn in yoga about not knowing what's going on maybe not knowing why your shoulder is tight not knowing why your kneecap hurts a little bit or twinges when you do that one pose by exploring that in an open way in a safe way in a supported way in an in an aligned way you can understand and start to unpack what's going on in the body. When we start to name the things that are going on and people say things like microaggression or people say things like lack of diversity or naming that, exploring it, addressing it, and then being more whole because of it. And it'll be like small baby steps. So if we're talking about my... First of all, I don't want Casey's job. I think she does an amazing job <laughs> at her you job. Can, do you want my job? She's literally the best at her job. Oh, um, I told her I might come on as like legal support after I graduate, but <laughs> no, I great. don't want her job. Um, <laughs> in yoga, when everything is supposed to be positive, I was going to say kosher, but you're Jewish. So you can like, say kosher. Yeah, yeah, yeah kosher. That, that kosher. feels right. It's yeah. supposed to be kosher. Yeah, everything's supposed to be A-OK. Yeah. It's kind of hard to take, a, it might be harder to take a critical lens at something that you don't even see modeled in real life. We don't yeah. see anti-racism in our society. No. We don't know what that looks like. That's no. radical. Yeah. It's just a word. It's a word now. It's a concept. Yeah. No one, I don't know what that looks like in real life. Mm-hmm. But in t- starting the conversation about, okay, if someone says, this makes me feel uncomfortable. And I'm happy you said the reemergence of Black Lives Matter because someone said, and the emergence of Black Lives Matter in a yoga class recently. And I was just like, oh, God. 
I was checked out after the class and I'm like, well, I have to reassess my, <laughs> my feelings, you know. Yeah. But when we start to say what is going on, there begins a healing. I think there's a real power in talking, talk therapy, both you and I are fans of. 10 out of 10 recommend. 10, talk- 10 out of 10. 10, 10 out, out of 10. 10. Recommend talking to a professional yeah. about what's going on. Oh my God, how amazing is Javon? Oh, he was very sweet. Oh. I, I liked him. He, um, he, he was pre- a, he, he's from Blend Health. You guys can find him. He presented as his authentic self. And that's, you know, what I got from the first interaction of, about him. And that's what you need in someone that's going to be there to talk mm-hmm. you through something that's really, really tough. Yeah. And so what we have to continue to have about specifically Citizen and the America at large is how can we create a system that is anti-racist. And I think the first thing we can do is start the conversation, which Casey Musk has already done, guys. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked it it out. We have have gone to a place where it's like, okay, we see that there's wounds. We see that there's hurt. We see that there's dysfunction that exists. Mm. Let's breathe. Yeah. (laughs) Let's take a breath there. And Mm. we don't have to figure it all out in one day. Mm. And that was something that um, somebody had asked in, in philosophy, which was, well, what do I do with all this anger and frustration? And I haven't forgotten our first question because I still want to dig in, but what do I do when I have all this anger? And 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 the, the thing is, is that you just sometimes have to be mm-hmm. and then take a breath mm-hmm. and then reassess what's happening inside yourself. Um, and that's... Uh, one of the most important things and I have a next topic but I really think that um, I don't want to move from this just yet which is how do you live beyond this word everything has like you know what we do in our society it's like you know when you um like the radio stations which I don't listen to radio anymore sorry (laughs) radio stations um she they, still wants a deal. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> oh man, um, that they replay a song and they play it over and over mm-hmm. again, and it just loses its meaning, which we know as the concept of neutralization. And I feel as though, or I felt as though, and I told Lydia this, uh, that we can't just take action. Mm-hmm. Because there are words in the community floating around. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're going to lead an anti-racism course, Okay, mm-hmm. which we did, we, mm-hmm. we are doing, which is awesome. And I heard it was amazing and Chris did such a good job. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, people are going to keep posting, like, don't just say words and don't post a black square. And there are lots of, like, there are intense I don't know what to do moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you also don't want to just say words because those words are the right things to say. Mm -hmm. And so how do we live beyond the words? Mm -hmm. Um, I can liken this to law school. We submitted, the Black Law Student Association submitted a demand letter after outrage. Lots of words. We want a lot of things. How can we move forward? By starting the conversation, one, and then realizing, two, it's not going to happen in a day. The change that we want to work towards is, so that our children, I don't ha- have that strong maternal instinct, but the children will be better for it. And that maybe one day you could actually be the mom of a nice interracial looking mixed baby like me. Oh my you God. Know? I would, I've always wanted to be your mother. <laughs> not, not to fetishize 
interracial relationships or mixed babies. Don't get that wrong. Yeah. But our world is moving towards a place where we are becoming more integrated. And that is a beautiful, welcoming thing. That comes with a lot of stickiness and harsh edges and a lot of resistance to change. Um, I think the biggest part of that is healing. And Mm -hmm. that takes time. It sucks, but it effing does. Like You have to take time to heal. And that's why the work that... Um, I don't know how much you've talked about this on the podcast, but Dr. Parker has done. We have... um, No, we haven't talked about Gail yet. Yeah, so Dr. Gail Parker um, has just released a book about restorative yoga and how it can heal uh, racial trauma. And that is most of the title. (laughs) Please go look it up. And it is about how we have to be in the uncomfortableness of whatever it is and we use yoga guys in case you didn't know this was a yoga podcast yeah but we use yoga the uncomfortableness of being in a position and being in a situation of being in a racist society to just sit in that try to heal from what has gone on to in order to move forward in a more informed way i think that um carrie and i had mentioned this on um the paradoxes of the yoga industry but just the nature of the mind and the nature of the mind is to be obsessed with what has happened mm-hmm. and the fear of change. And I think that there is, um, I, I, I don't know how you could like the present moment. So again, I don't know who's listening, but that's insane. Um, but the, the thing that's driving a lot of decision making is just the fear that things will change. And that's the nature of the mind. Like you can't, you have to be compassionate to that because we all have a mind and we all in some area of our life, don't want things to change. You don't want life to end. You don't want days to pass. That's very natural. Then you put it into like a political system. You put it into a... People are afraid of losing power. People are afraid of losing money. People are afraid of losing their job. And that's survival, right? Mm -hmm. That's a survival thing. Even if it's Yeah, even if you don't, it's not a survival thing Mm -hmm. at that point. When we start to say, how are you looking at your privilege? People get afraid and they're like why are you looking at my stuff what's wrong with your stuff like don't you have enough stuff and it's like that's not what I asked you like what what about your attachment to the system um that is benefiting you and I'm talking to white people what about your attachment to the system that benefits you makes you afraid that someone else is going to take from and that's just the system of capitalism that has us thinking that if one person has more, then the other person is going to naturally have less. I come from um, a black, native, and white background. So Native Americans, African people, we had communal living. We didn't have this concept of property. We all lived together and respected the earth, Native American people. She is everything. <laughs> She's all that we have, and we don't have her. She is gracious enough to let us inhabit her temporarily and so when we talk about a system that has exploited depleted rape pillage everything else and it's apparent in newsflash global warming and (laughs) newsflash the, the earth is getting hotter because of our actions and our continuous greed and our continuous fear of Mm. what happens if we let go of this stuff Mm. who are we i want to find that one 
Well, I won't find it right now because <laughs> I'm not going to tip type around on my computer, but um, it's the suggestion, I think, by Patanjali, which is what would it look like if your mind, the restless waves of your mind were still for just a moment? We'd be scared. Yeah. Will you feel... See, the biggest fear of all human beings is nothingness. Mm-hmm. And what if I'm nothing? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what drives me. Mm-hmm. Like, what if I'm nothing? What mm-hmm. if I don't achieve anything? Mm-hmm. What if citizen is nothing? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that that's one of the... That's so... It's actually so spiritual. Mm-hmm. There is this is. false sense of like... If I let go of things, mm-hmm. then there's what's left is a nothingness. Mm-hmm. But it's not nothing. There you're is, not nothing. You're not nothing. You're something. Well, that's one of the most interesting things is that if you're really, really perceptive, between your breaths, there's a pulse. And that pulse is what you're trying to like become more in tune with. Mm-hmm. So the attachment of... Of what what the system is right now, which again, I don't know if I have like we're attached I, to our thoughts. Yeah, we let's we're know. gonna go into attachment. So like uh, Lydia took teacher training, and um, her group particularly was very very deep into philosophy. You know, I think astute, I, astute. <laughs> you were very astute. Casey was giving someone a compliment about 6 a.m. philosophy. And I, I'm in my jammies at the time. And I was like, yeah, she's really astute <laughs> at 6 a.m. Like, yes. Yes. You have to want to know what's going on. You have to have this desire. And we get mm-hmm. attached to our desire to want to know. And it doesn't fix things. Mm-hmm. Because you then know. Mm-hmm. What do you know? <laughs> Nothing. 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 So, you know, again, there's this idea, and we can't go too deep potentially into attachment because it is actually much more complex than just saying, okay, it's selfishness plus thought, which equals an attachment. Mm -hmm. But attachment arises when you've decided that you want to possess and enjoy. And what's the root cause of deciding that is this false sense of emptiness. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is really where all of our anger, our frustration, Mm -hmm. all of our negative emotions arise from is when you don't get what you want, your desire modifies into all these different emotions, which is fear, anger, greed, we'll mm-hmm. talk about greed, uh, confusion, and then loss of memory, and then dilute, well, it's confusion, loss of memory, those can hit together, and then delusion, sort of completely delusional thinking that what is righteous is unrighteous, what is unrighteous is righteous, and it's all based and rooted in your desire, and the desire is all from your own fear of being nothing. It's it, it's unfortunately like the not unfortunately it's like Adam and Eve. Like if our desire becomes perverse. Or Adam and Casey. Adam, of course, <laughs> of course, obviously. It's a match That's how we started. Okay, <laughs> yeah, Adam and Eve. Yeah, our our desire makes this situation perverse. It then creates this. Oh my gosh, it just creates this wave of, oh my God, then I need this and then I need clothes and then I need my hair done and then then I'll be whole. And then it's like, no, but then I need more. And then I, like, what right. happened? And that's a consistent and constant plague. Mm-hmm. Swamiji says, um, never peg your present happiness on future acquisition, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is, again, one of my favorite things to think about for myself. I find that no matter how many times I talk about this I still am tripped, 
You know, there's still mm-hmm. that belief, like I'm hypnotized and you're hypnotized mm-hmm. and everybody's hypnotized. Like Jafar, I love Jafar and Aladdin. <laughs> it was so scary. He was a very scary. He was such a scary character. Yes. You know, and you feel that hip, you're hypnotized to your own desire, to your own attachment, to the own belief that you're empty. Mm-hmm. And that is part of what keeps us stuck. So there's there's different levels and we're going to talk about this. So uh, in Swamiji's Holocaust of Attachment, which is a book that we use during teacher training, um, we talk about attachment at the material level. So let's start there. All of us have an attachment to gaining objects so we can enjoy our senses. Let's start even okay. before that. We Go have ahead. a need to be clothed, whatever. We have to wear clothes. Yeah. What about the delusion of what's going on makes it so that then I need 10 first, then I need 50 pairs of shoes. I like clothes, guys. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like, and you're always fashionable. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what about this emptiness inside us that tells us that I can fill this up with mm. the, the, the desire? So then we create this. It just gets so distorted. It gets really out of whack. Like, yeah, really, we're really off track of what what our what our basic needs are because we have the attachment, like you said, back to what our universe false, is. False basic needs. False basic needs. Yeah. What we have is so subjective. Is based off of, or what we need is very subjective. Is mm-hmm. based off of our vision for ourselves. Self plus universe equals experience. Yep. So if self is feeling empty, the universe looks big and scary, mm. then my experience is I have to gain as much as I can out here so that I can fill in what's going on inside. Yeah. And so the thing that people misunderstand, which is that material wealth um, is really only to appease your senses. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing about material wealth that can actually make you inherently happy. Mm -hmm. Because an object, and we are talking about neutralization, no matter how many times you buy a new purse, that new purse will always, the joy of it will always fade. Because the the principle is, is that the more you contact a sense object, the less inherent joy exists in that sense object. When we talk about philosophy, it's like, okay, after a certain threshold, once your basic needs are met, you're not going to be any more happy, any more richer that you get. It doesn't go like richer, happier, like this way, like no, on an upward um, Upward, imaginary track. Yes. It doesn't go that way. But so um, we're going to have to talk about the intellect and why it's important because here really attachment is, is the mind. The mind saying, you're empty, I'm emotional, I'm impulsive, I have likes and dislikes, I only can see partial everything. So at a physical level, when you don't govern the mind by the intellect and you have an attachment to your physical body, um, I mean, one of the examples Swamiji gives and one of the most obvious examples in our culture is aging, our fear of age Mm -hmm. and how it's shamed Mm -hmm. in our culture Mm -hmm. to to age. Mm -hmm. It's such a strange feeling that we embody. That's like, okay, well, I'm attached to youth. I'm attached to where what my body mm-hmm. looks like. I mean, if we talk about the anti-aging, like the, every like tricks scam ever <laughs> to try right. to make you feel like you're gonna live forever. Right. When the the basic truth of the matter is death is the only per- like 
yeah. permanent thing. Like mm-hmm. the only true thing is that we're all going to die. Yeah. Well, what's interesting too is that the more you're attached to things that change a lot, mm-hmm. the more agitated you become. So it's like, I always think of PMS for some reason, but I'm always like, okay, like if I, when I was younger, I would get so like obsessive about my symptoms, Mm -hmm. like, oh, here they come again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at some point the objectivity, my roommate in India, actually, she said to me, because I I did suffer and I've told this many times with lots of like a hormone problem, not just regular PMS. Mm -hmm. She would say this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And just that perspective, right? The attachment that I want my body to feel normal or I want whatever normal was mm-hmm. or I want this to not be. So the the more you have attachment to that, uh, the the more uncomfortable you are, more consistently. I'm attached to summer. I'm attached, oh, now you're going to cry that it's fall. I'm mm-hmm. attached to sun. Now you're going to cry mm-hmm. that they're clouds. When I, I don't want to glance over the your your PMS and your hormone thing because we don't talk about women. Mm. So many of my friends suffer from really, really, mm. and I would just, forgive me, say really bad PMS, but like, that's not what it is. There are things that our society doesn't even understand really to really address that. So it is a very heavy thing mm. Hormones. to, to yeah. have to experience once a month or however frequently it happens. And it's a very intense thing. And it does help to know that this is a temporary thing because everything will eventually pass. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Marin and I did um, a section. We're going to do some more sections on preconception, on PMS. She's yes. amazing. Thank you. I'm so happy. She's on, I'm not qualified. I'm like, yeah, no, it's she's important. Really, yes, I agree. Yes. So at an emotional level, we talk about um, we become attached to our family, our children, and Swamiji says even our pets. Yes, we talked about our yeah, pets. Yeah, our pets. And so when you become emotionally attached, um, you feel agitated, particularly mm-hmm. when somebody doesn't respond how you want them to, mm-hmm. if they don't make you feel how you want them to make you feel, when somebody moves away, when somebody mm-hmm. moves too close, when somebody... So all of the, everything is agitating, first of all. Exactly. All of the changes is agitating. I just literally, we talk about agitation and change. I just see sandpaper just rubbing, right, rubbing. together. It's just like, these yep. are people, these are experiences that are just rubbing up against one another. Right. Um, funny enough, I call my pet, my dog, Chowder, a puppy. Because I'm attached to him being, not getting old. I'm attached yeah. to him not being an old 10-year-old man. I love him. But <laughs> he's getting older, and that's the nature of our our life. And that's the nature of this universe is that right. we'll all get older. And I'm creating suffering for myself by getting attached to a version that is eventually going to change. And day by day, it's, getting, it's changing. We right. attach ourselves. Like, I know Casey is going to be this kind of teacher always, mm-hmm. and she's always going to be that that's not fair. Casey is a living being. She's going to change. And so how can I differenti- differentiate me? How, how can I have enough self to know that Casey's changes won't agitate me so much, that my dog's changes won't make me hurt to the detriment of me being able to be a functioning person? Yeah, Exactly. That's that's the goal, and that's where we're going to head. So then the next level of attachment is egoistic. So your attachment to your ego, which, oh, my gosh. Name, fame, honor, position, power. Yeah, and we can, we can, the ego is so complex. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, 
spirituality isn't just like the defiance of the ego because you need the ego to like rise. Mm -hmm. That's why you have a third chakra. If you didn't have a third chakra, then you wouldn't rise. Yeah, have anything to aspire to. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. like it's the mastery of your individuality and Mm -hmm. then and then merging that individuality, but how much we put into our name and our fame and the things that build up that sense of like, I am the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. That's really what the ego is. I am the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. When I start to think about the mastery of the ego, you just start to think about people that are using their ego for good. And Mm. it it could go bad. I think the email that I, at the end of the email that I sent you, I'm like, and the death of the ego. (laughs) You did write that. Like, cause it just needs to die. And on many levels, it does. But when we see people, and it's really hard to see people now using their ego, whatever that, their skill, their talent, their self, their personality, their attributes, in order to lift other people up. When um, um, psychologists, they, I would listen to this psychology podcast, he's like, all of us are a little bit narcissistic because we think we can help people. Right. Like a psychologist really thinks that they can help somebody by talking to them. So you have to have this sense of self, a strong sense of self, a, an awareness of your ego so that you don't use it for bad, though. You don't use it to try to manipulate people or try to get the most out of the system or milk it or take advantage. And that's why um, being a lawyer, I, I'm con- being a future lawyer, constantly aware of people using their ego for a negative thing, for yeah. the wrong thing. Yeah. To get a... I don't want to name anything. Yeah. But, no, but, but I understand. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you can, and this is very relatable because, um, you know, you become really attached to your ideas. Mm-hmm. And as a lawyer, I'm sure that there's like a lot of attachment to certain concepts. Mm-hmm. I mean, and part of the interesting thing, and of course you could talk about it, but sort of the flexibility to argue both sides. And that's what being a judge is. And that's why more and more every day I see how that's impossible. Like yeah. to be impartial. Yeah. Because we have inherent biases we have yeah. the self we have traumas we have all types of things that we're dealing with mm-hmm. but there are two there are two sides of the legal community i guess if i'm trying to boil it down a, a lawyer argues one side the judge a moderator uh, someone else a, a third neutral party has to see both yeah. and so i think a great a great lawyer sees both sides so that they can understand the whole picture really just so that they can argue their mm-hmm. side better but a whole person will be able to see all sides of it. And I think in life, we're not necessarily striving to be lawyers. We're striving to be judges in order to be more impartial, more objective, in order to make clear decisions that would be more fair and more equitable and more whole. And that's why it's very important, guys, to get out and go vote because... That's right. That was a good... But this might not come out before then. So we hope you voted. Vote always and vote often and vote in the next time um, because they're packing, everyone is packing the seats with judges who might not be great people. Spoiler alert, everybody that's in power isn't really, really great. Or even um, prosecutors that are sending people to jail every day. What type of person is that? Is that a biased, angry, hurt, hate-filled person? Or is that someone that can objectively see this is something that went wrong in our society, and this is some. This is a way to right. correct it. I don't believe in prisons, but you know, there have you. <laughs> okay, you can just say that. I'm not going to go into it yet. But... <laughs> okay, we can't go into that topic yet, but 
That sounds like they're happy. Like, okay, that's you it. should eat some popcorn now. We have popcorn. It's super yummy. This is very Midwest. It's like... <laughs> yeah, it's very Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what's the antidote to attachment? We know that the blanket answer is intellect. Mm-hmm. And talk to us about like why the intellect as... It's not really a concept. Mm-hmm. It's actually part of you. It's a thing. It's a thing that you can develop. Mm-hmm. Um, why was that such a powerful thing to learn in your teacher training? To know that I have the capacity. I think that's important. So much capacity for what? To change my thoughts. In order to change my actions, in order to change my behaviors, in order to help change my society. Mm. Um, so I feel like a lot of our society, we're feeling victim, hopeless. We can't do anything. Once you learn that, and things happen to us, right? Things yeah. happen to me. I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. I don't know where to go. I didn't know how I got to this place. Have you ever looked up and like, I don't know how I ended yeah. up here. Yeah. Because I was running on autopilot. And that's true for driving. That's true for going through life. That's true for ending up in a relationship sometimes. Like, I just like I just let this happen to me. Right. Without making conscious decisions. Right. When I learned that I have an intellect, I can make decisions by bringing awareness to what is actually going on because there's small little micro decisions that we're making every second. Like, I'm going to put this piece of popcorn in my mouth. I'm going to drink a sip of water. I'm going to take a nap, not take a nap. I'm going to continue to mindlessly do harmful things to my body without knowing it. Right. And it's like, wait, pause. If you take a breath, you can see, oh, I'm making it another decision i can make a better decision i can make a more informed decision yeah that's what the intellect does when you develop this tool your intellect it is your power to to change stuff it's it's kind of the or redirect redirect because you won't always be able to change everything the only thing that you can really control is yourself yeah and and acquire a perspective like your ability to reframe is very much a part of uh your intellect so in in your in your teacher training, let's talk about that before we go to aggressive good, aggressive bad, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorites. Have we talked about a billion different things already? This is so crazy. And we talked about so many things that we said we were going to talk about. I can't believe that. I told you, just let me yeah, guide you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. She's doing great, guys. Oh, this, yeah. That's why we pay her the big bucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a teacher now. You don't pay for yoga. What are you talking about? We pay you the big Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Listeners, subscribers. Oh, yeah, <laughs> listeners, subscribe. Okay, so... So tell me about your TT, because I felt like your class specifically... Well, I think a lot of classes, obviously, are so awesome. But well, I... had I, Ashlyn. I had Michael in. I had I know. Kenya. I had Eddie. I had Danita. If you oh. haven't met Danita... Oh, my God. She's the kindest an angel. human ever. She is an angel, quite literally. So what was your experience like in TT? In terms of teacher training, um, I am a huge advocate for teacher training because I feel like everyone deserves a chance to have structure and right. in order to learn more about themselves. And so the train is here. <laughs> Go ahead. If you just 
throw people in a room and tell and I would just throw you in that room. I'm like, Casey, go learn about yourself and you know, just come right, back no in structure. three months and right. be a better person and you know, I'll just check on you after the three months. You're gonna be like, Okay, like I really don't know where to go or how to start. But when you give people assignments you get people work you have people show up and do yoga and train you get people out of their comfort zone you make them discuss it talk about it you have the system of accountability in place and guys no this is why we're here no one likes accountability yes no i was gonna say no one likes to no one likes to be held accountable right so you when you relinquish control and this is why teacher training is amazing i grew up taking dance class dance lessons I needed adult dance classes. You know what I mean? I needed yeah. adult mind stimulation so that I can learn more about myself while doing something uncomfortable and gaining a skill in a certain type of technique. Yeah. And I'm not dancing right now. I dance on the dance floor, so do catch me at the parties. But <laughs> I do yoga instead, and I right. learned a yoga technique in order to be held accountable for mm-hmm. learning more about myself. So what does it mean to, like, you and I talked about this, like, that it's really hard to understand what it means to master teaching. And I think people want us to tell you, tell me exactly how to teach a vinyasa. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, there it is sort of, but mm-hmm. like not really because you can mm-hmm. do whatever you want. But okay, mm-hmm. here's vinyasa. And that's like my gripe about, you know, somebody had raged out, oh, do you want to franchise? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, if I franchise, not to say that that's bad, but I have to systematized to it's a point of loss yeah, yeah loss of authenticity mm-hmm. and like it, what's the most important thing mm-hmm. is it size mm-hmm. or is it authenticity mm-hmm. when you meet your authentic self with your obligation you just have this sweet spot where you're just you're just you're you're doing you're in the flow you're yeah. just doing the good mm-hmm. thing you're doing the right thing that's an and so that. you have this boundary that's holding you accountable in line and when i'm talking guys i'm literally talking about everything i'm talking about in life in the car in your homework in your actual work your work Mm -hmm. i know they're professionals out here in your work work in you taking care of your children when you have this boundary that holds you in place and you still present yourself your true self Mm. there there aren't too many more conflicts Mm. i don't think there's hard well, I also think that there's a confidence, but also a fluidity. Mm-hmm. And when you're authentic, you're not as afraid of other people. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is, I'm teaching me. So mm-hmm. like, how can you tell me I'm bad at that? Mm-hmm. Not to say that you can't improve. There's always room for improvement, mm-hmm. but that's part of being authentic is saying, I'm holding two thoughts. I'm holding that I am really, really excellent at me. But I also know I can work on something. I can work on something. I can work on something. Yeah. It is hard for our brains to hold two thoughts. Like that's mm. scientifically proven. Mm. When we have two opposing thoughts, we yeah. re- and this is America, when we have two opposing ideals, they in within the brain, like he just like you can't short wires like like melts down and people are like you're not a scientist i know but right no but it that's just, it we can that's why we only have republicans mm. that are super republicans and we only have democrats that are super democratic and it's just like when we marry two different things we get we get wholeness we get the yin and the yang we mm. get 
our flow state. We get where we're supposed to be, our sweet spot. Yeah. You get in the pocket. Like, yeah. you know, get in the pocket, guys. Like, yeah. how do you get on the beat of what's Well, I think it's about on? finding what's right for mm-hmm. you. And it's really doing that inner work. I think that's part of what TT is. Is like, you have three or four months to really think about, like, what is my nature? Mm-hmm. Who am I really? And mm-hmm. I think that that was, I always describe when I first started teaching yoga, I was like, oh, f- shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, this is it. Mm-hmm. And I was so disappointed, sort of. <laughs> I was like, yes. no. Yes. The ca- this can't be my calling. Come on. Yeah. And it, But it was like an artist finding a paintbrush, mm-hmm. a lawyer finding the law. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, you're doing your obligation. Mm-hmm. And with then building that sense of consistency, mm-hmm. you know, showing up and being present. And, and I think that that's where technique becomes... Mm-hmm. There's two parts of this. One is following the rules and really being a student helps you gain good technique. And the other thing is, it's just showing up because showing up is the right thing to do. It's not teaching to a lot of people. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, practicing law because of X amount of money. It's, It's really you learning to do what's right. And that's the spiritual path of just like showing up and doing what's right. When I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, that's when I feel the conflict. So I had a lot of conflict deciding to go to law school or not. I talked to hundreds of lawyers. Go, don't go. Every male, female, white, black, D.C., home, anywhere. Everyone had so many different things to say. Yeah. Everyone said everything. And I was like, wait, I have to silence out the noise. Right. Tune into what is actually really true for me and what it is I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not supposed to, there are so many reasons to go to law school. I'm supposed to go to law school for a specific reason. Yeah. And I have to be true to that. And I have to know that that's going to be a boundary that's going to hold me accountable so that I can serve a greater purpose. Right. And so I had to do teacher training. And it did. I didn't feel great after teacher training. Like my self-esteem wasn't super duper high. I didn't think I was going to be like a really great teacher like I didn't feel like hot stuff. I was I was happy that I had went through something and now only a year and a half later am I able to really unpack what types of seeds that planted inside me as a teacher that are now just blooming mm-hmm. a year later. Yeah. Like they didn't start off that way. Right. And it won't be this way in five years. It'll be a, a, another type of dynamic thing. And it'll mm. be great to see. So I love people coming to check in on me and like, how are your classes? And first of all, I'm like, law or yoga? Because I'm like, there's, I, there are a lot of classes going on. But the funny thing is, it's like, I don't know. Because it's so new and it's so fresh. And mm. I, I know that my how the students feel after class and I know how mm. I feel after class and I think we both feel pretty good and mm. so I'm gonna keep just trying to learn and grow in that up. Mm-hmm. so um something that we had mentioned was um how do you fight the fight mm-hmm. you know how do you how do you fight the fight take a nap first yeah exactly <laughs> take a nap and 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 part of the power of the intellect is is within this concept especially it's so relevant right now um which is that people are passive good and passive bad. Mm-hmm. And people are aggressive good and aggressive mm-hmm. bad. And the solution to changing the world is us becoming aggressively good. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you're describing in yourself. You're describing 
finding a strong ideal, holding yourself accountable. And no matter how many times your mind makes an excuse as to why it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for you to show up, Mm -hmm. you just show up. That's it. Like literally do. Yeah. And so passive good and passive bad. Passive good and passive bad is sort of living an unconscious life. It's Mm -hmm. like being at the end of your life and being like, oh my God, what happened? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, passive is just referring to the lack of intellect Mm -hmm. in your life. Like I said, things happening to you. Things happening to you. And Mm -hmm. you're a good person. You were raised by a good family. Mm -hmm. You happen to be great. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't because of your own effort. It was just the Mm -hmm. environment that you were raised in. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're such a great person. And then you Mm -hmm. have people who are passively bad, Mm -hmm. who were raised in bad environments, who had parents who went to jail, Mm -hmm. who are parents who are not educated. Mm -hmm. They then are not educated. And it's not to their own fault. They're mm-hmm. no different than passively good people. No. They just happen to be in an environment that they were born into no. that was passively bad. And so what's actually happened in the world is there are people who do use their intellect mm-hmm. to manipulate for their own self, mm-hmm. to, to gain mm-hmm. for their ego. Um, and, mm-hmm. and part of being an aggressively good person. And this is where I think our obligation is as teachers, our obligation is as citizen yoga is to become sort of an army of aggressively mm-hmm. good people, mm-hmm. which is you're armed with your intellect. We might all have different specific mm-hmm. missions mm-hmm. or ideals, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that we aren't all working in a similar direction. Mm-hmm. And that's to me is the answer right now in these next 20, what, two days, I think. Countdown. Uh, I don't know. I don't, don't want to handle political, it. guys. But life yeah. is political right now. Yeah. Everything is. Anyway. Mask wearing is political. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, this idea of how can you in your life, what does it look like for, for you, let's say, you as a black woman mm-hmm. to be aggressively good? So I use my position, my whatever position I have, be it as someone who previously worked on Capitol Hill, be it someone who worked at a think tank, whatever position I have is a privilege. I I don't just represent myself. I represent people who are un- underrepresented because we can look at numbers and see that statistically, black people, poor people, people of color, systematically underrepresented in so many spaces, in law school, on Capitol Hill, in power, in yoga, in yoga, in in corporations, in insert whatever here. And mm. so I have this position, I have this seat at the table. I think, and it's a privilege. And I know that I'm representing people, and I'm fighting for people that are not here, and I'm fighting for the people that cannot be here, so that they can have any opportunity that they want. Not just this one, but the seat above mine, and whatever seat there will be no lack of access mm. on my part and so I was speaking today with some of the board of myself and my uh another person on our uh, black law student association were speaking about to the board of governors of the school that I go to and they were like you know that there are essentially passively good and passively bad people in your school that don't have to do all this work that you all have to do in order to make black students feel more comfortable in order to get more representation in your school. And I'm like, yeah, I know that's just our job. Like my job is to show up 
so that other people can come behind me and continue to show up and so that we can continue to arm ourselves with the knowledge to be like aggressively good people mm-hmm. once you give people the opportunity to do that my peers my classmates no offense to them a lot of people in life go by passively and don't have to worry about those things mm-hmm. and don't have to fight for those things i i have i was born with the awareness that there is inequity in this system and there there is a possibility that it can be changed hmm. i feel like you do that like in even in class mm-hmm. you know you don't go in the back of the room mm-hmm. you go i show up like yeah. i show up yeah i'm gonna be there like why do you why do you love the space what what is it about because i feel good. yeah it feels good right it feels good to be in your body be on your mat mm-hmm but I also think that there's a space that you're occupying that's not just yoga, right? Mm-hmm. That you're occupying, you're, you're choosing to be, to represent. Mm-hmm. And there is something that is empowered about that. Mm-hmm. There is something that's authentic to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's part of my ego, right? Like my ego has a need to show up, but I have an opportunity to use it for good. Yeah. Hmm. And I think that that's the answer. The answer mm-hmm. to changing the world is... Becoming aggressively good, mm-hmm. you know, and that means that you have to have a higher ideal. That means you can't teach yoga for your name, your fame, your mm-hmm. ego. You you have to really work hard mm-hmm. at monitoring the mind all the time, so mm-hmm. that you can show up in an aggressively good way. Which mm-hmm. means you show up all the time, and that's one of the hardest things to do is just to show up. My favorite class to teach is um, outside of my citizen classes. I was first hired at yoganic flow and my favorite class is a saturday morning community class at 9 a.m and showing up for the entire community at palmer park please come as we have a great time it is healing um in knowing that we're all getting a net benefit from this and the quality of class that i teach there is going to be the same as the quality of class. Spoiler alert, it's going to be the same that I teach to the studio. And so I love the people that come to the studio, but I'm not shortchanging anyone that comes to the park or comes to um, the school if if I could teach at law school because we need it there. But mm. it's going to be so that it's all we're all good. We're all healing. We're all moving in an upward trajectory we are mm-hmm. we are you have to but you have to pull people up with you you can't just get there and sit there no on your loins <laughs> like, right and you gotta get up and do something yeah and i think that that was um you know our conversation from a while ago a couple months ago i think that that there was a moment where you know i was shocked into stillness mm-hmm. and then it was like okay now i know and i think that it's okay to be like that mm-hmm. And now I know the direction I really want to move and Mm -hmm. why it's powerful Mm -hmm. and how we're going to do it at Citizen Mm -hmm. and how, why inclusion wasn't really on our radar Mm -hmm. and now it is. And Mm -hmm. it's so intense and it's so like, oh my God, it's like knowing something that you were like, why didn't I know that? Because you and I are close, right? We're friends. I, my God, I feel so proud. We're friends. We're friends. And it's. I don't want you to not know something. And I yeah. wanted you to know that I'm hurting. Like, and black people are hurting. Yeah. And um, it kind of, um, it hurts me to know that some people don't know. And I know you're a conscious person. I would never want you to go around the life 
-hmm. not being a zombie. And it's like you have this beautiful space. Citizen feels like home. Citizen feels like peace. We promote seeing people for who they are. You saw me for who I am. I see you for who you are. Let's share that peace and that love with the city of Detroit, the people in it, black people, because there are a lot of black people that don't feel seen. Mm. And they deserve all of the goodness mm. that citizen and the world and the universe has to offer. Mm. So when so many white people, just because they're in the majority of the population and because they're in the majority of the power holding positions of the societal structure are passively good or passively bad, then we just get more inequity. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. It'll just continue to go in that same direction. It won't self... The system won't... Spoiler alert. The system will not (laughs) self-correct. Like, it will not... The market will not self-adjust for the effed up stuff that's happening, been happening, gonna happen. We have to do... We have to be active about it. Mm. I think that's such a... Um, it's so kind. Hey, they, I I it feel like I'm hard kind. on you always. <laughs> so you do because like, we're, I, we're. But just, I don't feel like you're hard. That's on good because we just talk to each other honestly. Yeah, I don't feel like you're hard on good. me. No. Good, no, because I love you. I feel like I'm hard on you. I'm like, move your ass. What are you doing? Let's do it. Make it burn. <laughs> like I'm better for it. Right. We're building character. <laughs> Lydia always tells me that she secretly hates me because I make her move faster than she wants to mm-hmm. all the time. Or I just let her know I move slower than what <laughs> than what we're doing right now, and that is me bringing awareness to that and why am I resistant to mm-hmm. some of the things. So it help, mm-hmm. it helps me learn something. And I still might move slower, but it's still I still know about what's going on. <laughs> mm. So we asked you, I know that we talked about your mission and your ideal mm-hmm. and who you are. Um, is there that's any... about it. The book will come out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just wrote your memoir, actually. Yeah, that's, that's the it. book. It'll come out in like... 3030. Yeah, exactly. 3030. Oh my God. Literally, all of this has to be said and done before we actually know what's true. I think that you were one of the people that says that we really don't know what's true until, like, we won't ever really know. Yeah. Because we'll look back and continue to have different narratives about what happened. Like, that was good. That was bad. I don't know. We're human. It's going to change and it's going to fluctuate. Like, are you going to stick with it? Hmm. So if you had one maybe spirit, like yoga word or Mm -hmm. concept, and I think I know what it is, but um, that you would leave everybody with, what's something that was really impactful to you? I know we talked about the intellect. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that, that as like a parting thought that was like a big aha moment for you aside from that? And maybe there wasn't. I, um, the intellect was, is huge. Mind, body, intellect. I think the merging of the three, Mm. what we don't, what we, um, fail to realize as humans is that we, we will fail. (laughs) Like we will mess up and we will make mistakes. The intellect can also come in and tell you that that is okay to like, know that you won't be perfect. The intellect also will know, like, you you will fall short and it's not about being mean to yourself or beating yourself up it's about being kind 
the body will fall short. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I haven't worked out in three days. Oh my goodness, guys. Like, I'm trying to be disciplined. I have to be kind to myself. Know that once these things, three these three things, body, mind, intellect, come together in whatever form, if that's while I'm writing a paper or if I'm doing tree pose, that's where I'm supposed to be at yeah. that time. And if that's laying down in the bed and taking rest for yourself, body, mind, and intellect, and you bring all of those things into awareness, and you know that's the right thing for you to be doing because you've, you've spoken with yourself. You talked it through. Self, I had a long day. We might need to rest for a second and naps will questionable. But like proper rest, proper eating, proper sleep, keep those things in alignment that mm-hmm. was that's the word. Keep the things in alignment so that you can continue to sustain yourself and have like a full life. Mm. Well, thank you for being here. Lydia really she teaches primarily at the Detroit studio. Um, she, yeah. She also <laughs> we didn't even get into your Detroit story. I should have pushed you into your Detroit story mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and she also teaches with yoganic flow, mm-hmm. uh, donation based yoga commu- uh company that Carrie Trahan she was on the podcast Mm -hmm. um earlier this season they do donation based bringing yoga to the urban community Mm -hmm. so check them out and I love you and thank you for being here I love you um come to any yoga class all the yoga class come to citizen let's do yoga together Mm -hmm.